Hey everyone, welcome to The Art of War. Um, today, uh, things look a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, so you're here, Callum. Yep, I'm finally finally on. You're our, you're our newest member. Welcome to The Art of War podcast. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry it's not like um, as big a welcome as I'd like to give because um, there appears to be one missing. Yeah, a certain individual who's usually in this seat. It's gone. Yeah, Nick Spence, unfortunately, was not able to make it in tonight. Yeah. So it would just be us two entertaining you today. Yeah. So uh, do bear with us. Yeah. <laughs> um, It'll be a fun one, at least. <clears throat> all right. So uh, I guess today we wanted to talk about the law was one of the main things we yeah, wanted to talk sure. about. So uh, recently, uh, Tales of Mysteria got revealed and everyone made a YouTube video within five minutes. Yeah, exactly. So I guess this would be kind of our take on it. I yeah. think we talked about it a little bit last episode, but we kind of want to talk more about, not necessarily about like what we expect to see, but kind of what we want to see. Yeah. So kind of what are your um, kind of expectations or like, and what you'd what like, like to see from the new set? So like law wise. <clears throat> what I'd really like to see is, I think Tales of Aria has like a really cool opportunity because in the law it's kind of like this mystical mystical realm it's yeah. almost it's like separated from wraith they got these protectors it's almost like time warped yeah. um and i think it'd, it'd be really cool to see like an interaction occur with yeah. another region Cause, cause from like, wraith um you're gonna have to help me out here because you, you're the one that has read the law yeah. and i look at the cards right yeah um but there's like a barrier around aria right that's like preventing people from like crossing and yeah out. i don't remember the specifics but there's almost like it's almost like yeah like a magical barrier or yeah. force field yeah cool. that you can't like, really like hogwarts um, yeah almost like hogwarts actually yeah, and yeah. Like the... um so we had like a quick conversation before the podcast about kind of what we'd like to see and like one of the main things that i wanted to see was i wanted to see the regions um of wraith be more interactive with each yeah, other for sure. so like for the regions you've got Mysteria, Savage Lands, um, the Pits, the Pits, Matrix, Volcor, Solana, Demon Astry. I think that's yep. it. And Matrix with the and, Pits and Matrix. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so there are a couple that kind of interact with each other. Like the Matrix and the Pits are kind of like one place. Yeah. But they're like two halves of a coin, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and then Solana are like two halves of like a spiritual coin. Where yeah. Like one is like light and godly side and the other is like dark and demons yeah. and devils right but a lot of the other regions don't really we don't really see much interaction like yeah. for example like metrics to me seems like really far removed from solana and the savage lands and, yeah. and volcor right they're like this technological powerhouse that i feel like if it really existed like let's say right there's a real place and there's places that interact then if i was solana if i was volcor then i would feel very threatened yeah. by a place that has like these kind of inventions like, like they literally have guns yeah, yeah so, they've got these mass technological <clears throat> inventions right yeah like i would like to see like the one region's response to the other for sure i think because like the most interaction from what i remember from the law book is like this almost like the savage lands and solana mm. where it's just like the brutes kind of got mad that they were going near there yeah. So, yeah, so why were the um, Selanians, I think that's what they're called, yeah. going going to the Savage Lands? Because that was happening in Welcome to Raid. Right? Yeah, so um, 
forgive me if I'm wrong, but from what I remember, it was the um, it's it was kind of framed from Dorinthia's story as a retaliation to the brutes. Okay. So they were kind of like attacking camps that were almost on the um on the outskirts of the savage lands because people yeah. were getting worried that these beasts were coming into, like the like, the, like the almost like the and yeah stuff, farmland like, yeah. and almost like the the outer rural areas of Solana the yep. expansion. And the brutes were not too happy with that, so they kind of yeah. came out and uh, attacked all yeah. of the settlements and camps. And so that was kind of the interaction of yeah. the warriors trying to defend yeah. the residents of like, Solana against I could imagine, like, you know, um, in Dunedin, we've got, um, oh, crap, what's it called? Like the prickly bush that just grows everywhere. Oh, gorse. Gorse. We've, yeah. got, we've got gorse in Dunedin, and it grows everywhere. You literally have to burn it to, to stop it from spreading, right? Yeah. Um, and it's really prickly. It's a very unpleasant bush. You don't want to sit on it. Yeah. Um, and it is like a big thing. Like throughout all of central Otago, you burn gorse back. It was originally introduced here like as um, to be used as fence. Fencing. Yeah. But so, I kind of like think that Savage Lands is kind of like a big gorse bush, right? Yeah. That it would like expand because it's just like nature, right? Yeah. It's like a Unkept trees nature, and, yeah. and stuff. Um, so I think it would like kind of grow. So maybe like that's could cause conflict with some of the other regions. So yeah. say if it was encroaching on Salamian farmland or something. Exactly. So I think that would be like something really cool to explore. Yeah, to dive in more. Pro- yeah, probably won't happen in like Tales of Aria because it's, yeah. it's not Aria. But I kind of want them to do more stuff with that. Yeah, for sure. Right? Like I want Volcor to invade somewhere. Yeah, you mentioned that you before. They're, they're like, Volcor has been shown to be this like militaristic nation you know, they're like the the fire nation. Yeah, the fire from nation, right? exactly. Right. Everyone, everything was fine until the fire nation attacked. Attack. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they need to go and attack someone. Um, like, I think they've done a really. LSS has done a really good job at like setting up the background. Yeah, yeah. Like for sure. setting up all these places, but they feel a bit disconnected. Yeah. And I want the story to actually happen. Yeah. Um, so I think they've done a a decent job with like Demon Astriverse. Solana in Monarch, where it felt like these two sides are really against each other and at war with each other. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's impactful. Like, obviously, these two nations have, like, a lot of impact over all of Wraith, but we'd like to see how that's felt across the other nations. Yeah. And that kind of, kind of <coughs> like, took, I guess, like, the law and the depth of each region, mm. like, up a bit more from, like, Malcolm Wraith, all we really kind of knew was from the law book and the characters and Solana was like, oh, this is just where the warriors are and Mysteria is just yeah. where the ninjas are. And then yeah. with Monarch, it's like not quite the case. It's actually yeah. the home of specific talents and I- yeah. like talents and ideas and ideals and whatnot. Yeah. So like Solana is no longer the place of the warriors. It's, it's yeah. the place of light. Yeah, yeah. I think the talents yeah. like really sell that. Like, um, because it's very easy to say, well, warriors come from Solana. But, you know, warriors also come from Volcor, yeah. as, as we've seen in, like, Karnat and stuff. Um, but now you go, Solana is the home of light and spiritual gods and, yeah. and stuff. And Demon Astri is not the home of Runeblades. It's the, the home of necromancers and zombies and, and d- dark, dark magic. Dark right? magic's right, yeah. But, um, you know, and we know some of the other ones are a bit more obvious. Like, obviously, Metrix is the home of mechanologists because yeah. they, they literally can't exist anywhere else yeah so far as we've seen but you know um yeah i want to see some more kind of interspersion 
industry between and, yeah the two right? like between two i think one that i also like to quite like to see is uh between the pits and metrics almost like yeah. a civil war because it, it feels like it's almost like two sides of the same coin except yeah. one side like the other side of metrics like this sprawling almost like utopia of technological invention yeah. and everything and then like the pits are like these the, the actual reality of, of like the, the side effects that metrics cause yeah because metrics is like to me it looks like kind of a futuristic kind of capitalist mirror of kind of almost our own world yeah but um obviously on like a fantasy lens right yeah, where we like have somewhat steampunk massive corporations so, yeah um and like their archaeo tech and stuff yeah but then also you have the people that don't fall into the the niches that rise above and yeah. instead they they quite literally fall to the bottom yeah of of the pits and then you have like gangs and and assassins and yeah. bounty hunters and, and rangers like, and stuff yeah and characters <coughs> like azalea who are like almost like a vigilante taking everything yeah. have to have to take stuff into their own hands exactly. and it's like flesh and blood has it's very own batman yeah exactly <laughs> like, um yeah and like i i think something needs to happen like it doesn't have to like be the whole you know country yeah. it doesn't have to be all of ray has to react to one thing you know i don't think it should just be like one bad guy but i want like some some region to do something and there are already plenty of things that a lot of the regions do that cause a reaction from another region yeah right so metrics technological advancement could cause solana to to be like boy can you stop that yeah you know um our light gods aren't too pleased with all of your guns or you know like volcor um i think because they got lava and stuff yeah maybe they could try and like terraform and burn back yeah the the savage lands you know like i see all these possibilities but none of that has really been done yet as far as i can see from the card art yeah i think like um, a lot of like the stage has been set almost yeah. for like a lot of the kaha i think yeah. even like with katsu story there's like this this plague yeah this kind of plagued the people for generations and generations and he's like going out to find a cure but we, mm. we don't really know what's caused it mm. or anything like that it's like almost like the stage has been been set and there's like little teasers in certain card art and stuff like that where yeah. like oh there's are other potentially significant characters yeah i mean like with that kind of thing like to me until we find out more about it it's an excuse to have a character yeah so there's a plague you know um katsu's gone out to find a cure he's katsu the wanderer that yeah that's why he's wandering but i need to have a story you know yeah um him just wandering to find a cure for a plague isn't enough for me you know there, there needs to be you know where did this plague come from does it where does katsu go you know who does he find um you know does he actually if he gets the cure does he actually make it back to his people yeah you know like i need um you know how um this is a bit off topic but you know um that new card from monarch uh nourishing emptiness how oh, it has yeah. the character's deaths on oh, it oh yeah, yeah like it's all a bit vague so on the on the back of this card if you don't know um there's a lady sitting in front and behind is like a I'm not sure what it's called like a dressing almost yeah um, i'm not can't quite remember the name but almost like there's like, like a, you saw in old school movies yeah dress behind yeah right? like with the frames and stuff yeah. yeah 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 and it's got different art of the heroes dying um like bravo is stabbed through um i think Katsu has a bunch of arrows yeah Katsu's got a bunch of arrows yeah and it's like 
is that actually going to happen or is it just like wispy nonsense yeah so um, there's some law i, heard, I can't remember who i heard it from it's like apparently that's from mysteria and it's something to do with like uh not it's like to do with like the character's fate or something but it's not really set but yeah. it's sort of like like this mysterious fortune teller yeah almost but it'd yeah. be cool to see like some development or even like tying in of that right yeah like a, a hero finds out yeah their fate or something yeah um yeah i think this set this upcoming set bring it back to tales of aria yeah is in my mind like so on the map aria and mysteria are like right next to each other and they're also like the most reclusive nations yeah. right they're not like volcor is militaristic and it's inevitably going to push outward yeah. i think solana is kind of the same deal right they're going to have like a big popular city and go and look for more land and um metrics is going to need more resources to, yeah. to fuel its mining and and creation but um aria seems to be quite self-contained within its magic barrier yeah and then the mysterious like mysteria has inaccessible like, like it's like cliffs. Monks, right yeah they're like all about solitude and you know finding comfort and you know isolation yeah and, and stuff like that and you know living like a honorable life i guess yeah. they're, they're obvi- very obviously modeled off like feudal japan yeah yeah um, for sure. so but i would like to see either for some reason they go outward or somebody else pushes inward you know yeah. s- something needs to upset this balance for there to be a story yeah um so i'm really keen to see something like that you know yeah i think tales of R is <coughs> like especially like a really good yeah. i guess place to start it, right because it is it's less it's almost more reclusive so it takes more to kind of get yeah. into aria than it does mysteria like yeah. mysteria you kind of you can somewhat wander in and you'll find the cliffs but aria's got this magical barrier yeah. maybe so i can oh yeah, i can see aria in. like if like for example like the walls would come crashing down like the yeah. magic barrier would disappear that it would have actually like quite a big implication for everyone else yeah um just because there seems to be like really powerful magic there yeah and um you know, if there's a bunch of land and stuff that wasn't there before, it was inaccessible, and then suddenly it, it is there, and you can actually walk in and invade it. Yeah. I can see it being quite tempting for, you know, Volcor or, or something else, or maybe it awaken something. Or, you know, I think there's a lot of storytelling potential there, um, but we just have to have to see it. Yeah, and especially seeing, like, the, the, the character art and stuff like that. Like, some of the Guardians, like the Mangle card, you've got, like, these really like well-armored heavy protectors of Ari. like they're really really geared up and then you get bravo who's like the main guy and and he's a guy who has a hammer and sings and it's like like he's like a big carnivals right yeah he's a ghost of carnivals he's like they're all like super happy-go-lucky yeah but then you look at the other cars and the other guardians like it's it's almost serious it's like deathly serious to keep crushing each other's bones like keep that to keep that like almost happiness yeah, that I, seclusion I actually, alive. Cause I like, actually, yeah, yeah, kind of think that's where they're going. You know, like um, there's that majestic from um, Crucible of War um, that has modes when you hit someone. Um, oh, coax commotion. Coax of commotion. Yeah, right? and they're talking about like celebration before war, right? Yeah, I kind of think that's like something that Arya is kind of going to play into, where it's like the self-contained place that quite radically changes when it's exposed to the outside world. Yeah. So they go from like Bravo being a happy carnival man to, you know, mustering a huge army or something of 
you know these paladins and yeah. warriors and you know moving out onto the onto the world stage i think that would be like a really cool story you know For maybe sure. maybe they go and invade mysteria yeah you know um and you know like we see in um spinal crush you know a ninja's back is being broken yeah. over over a guardian's knee and you know maybe that's foreshadowing that um mysteria is going to move yeah. into it's either like Mysteria. I mean, it's like either artistic representation of <coughs> Spinal Crush is the last thing a ninja wants to see, but also, yeah. <laughs> as we've seen, like in a lot of the artwork, it does reference lore and stuff like yeah. that. I think it's very intentional because they yeah. are geographically right next to each other, yeah. And um, I, it makes like it's good sense, it makes good sense because the card is back breaking for yeah. a ninja, right? Yeah, but I think that I don't think they would put something like that into the game if it wasn't meant to happen law wise right yeah so yeah this is kind of yeah i hope they do this for the next set what i don't want to see and i really hope they don't do this is just being all aria yeah you know? um obviously this is called tales of aria but if they do four aria heroes and they're all having a happy time in aria and nothing really that exciting is happening then it's going to be a bit what's the point of the set yeah you know aria is a cool place and all but give Give us something. You know? I mean, I feel like even with like Tales of Arya, it has like this, it almost has like larger potential, right? Because say yeah. Arya starts interacting with everyone, all they've ever heard before about Arya are like these tales, legends, these right? all like these mysterious legends. No one really yeah. knows what happens there. Yeah. But yeah, I think for sure it's like interregional yeah. interaction, which I think would lend itself well, assuming that they go with a similar formula, formula to Monarch where they have yeah. two talents from two yeah. different regions. Yeah, and, like, I don't even think they have to do it, have this combat or conflict straight away. Yeah. I think they could almost, like, tease it. Like, say, maybe one of the heroes could be a ninja or um, someone from Mysteria that somehow made it through the ban barrier yeah. and then has come back with tales of Arya. Yeah. You know? Um, and they kind of tell of what they've learned and, and you know, they could be, like, a, a like an explorer. Yeah. Right? I, I think, or... Almost like the I think ranger that would be such cover. a cool idea. Yeah. You know? Almost like the ranger of the cover. Like in all of the Aria art before, we haven't mm. actually seen anything vaguely close to ranger. Like it'd be cool. Like if ranger was yeah. like an individual who'd wandered in. Yeah. And had yeah. come out and. Maybe like the barrier only accepts like individuals with like good intentions or something. Yeah. You know, like um, maybe a ranger is just almost a god hunting a tiger or something yeah. that just walks through and it just. She, just happens to follow um and then gets like stuck in this place you know i also think um kind of moving away from that like tales of aria also like it's quite like past tense yeah so tales are something that happened before so maybe it could be across a, a time span of people that have come and interacted with aria or you know maybe aria wasn't always this way yeah and maybe it used to be part of the world and yeah. we see that and then it's going to go and maybe there's to the way yeah and maybe there's a reason now why they have all of these yeah. massive guardians yeah who are literally massive yeah, fucking like, hammers like, like destroying people's yeah, that, feet that's one of the things like i don't get is um ari looks like this happy-go-lucky place but then you see all these brutal protectors what are they protecting them from yeah we don't we don't see them fighting monsters we just see them fighting each other really and but fighting it, people the rest of the cards don't imply that so, so something has to like like yeah. for the guardians to have people to defend against they have to have either be like internal conflict or people yeah. have to have made it through this myster yeah. mystical barrier. Yeah. Not like, um, 
I'm probably going to upset some people here, but you know, like go, Game of Thrones, I didn't watch it, but for ages you'd hear winter is coming and yeah. you know, these zombies are going to attack this wall and it just didn't happen for ages. You know, I don't want it to be like that. I yeah. need something concrete to actually get invested in this place. You know, it's a cool idea as it is, but we need some interaction. Why, yeah. why, is, why is this place part of Wraith? Why does it matter? You know? Yeah, and I think that's what Monarch did really well. If you think about the demonstry, it's like, oh, it's just kind yeah, of the place that Viserai is from. And yeah, he, exactly, he does right? magic and physical damage, and we know that he's got... Spooky Hogwarts. He's got, yeah, spooky Hogwarts, <laughs> right? Oh, he, cool, he has a sword and he gets to do some magic stuff. And then with Monarch comes out, it's like, no, this is where you go to essentially make make packs with demons, make yeah. blood packs with demons. And we can see quite clearly that the the things that they do there will have an effect on the rest of the world, you know? Yeah. If um, Earethel really does, like, spill out, then it's going to be really bad for everyone, right? Yeah. Because these demons and, you know, I think that's kind of what the ally cards sell really well is that these aren't things to ignore, you know? These are making deals with Lovecraftian horror beings yeah, that exactly. are, you know, going to mess up your you know your shit if you're not careful you know and i feel like in one like tremor of reastral almost like hence towards like it does show that it is breaking out of that area it's not yeah. like this self-enclosed space where people get to make packs with the friendly demons and they all yeah. have fun going oh my demon's cooler than your demon yeah there's actually more consequences yeah. for everyone Ex else. exactly right and like by having this it justifies everyone else right yeah because it's before it was like well why does solana have warriors because they're a fantasy nation. Yeah. Now it's because the demon Astri have nasty bloody gods that are going to come over and kill you. Yeah. You know, it makes a bit, it makes a bit, a bit more sense, you know, because the savage lands are continually growing outwards yeah. or because Volcor is going to invade us. You know, that's, that's why these foundations are laid and now we need to kind of see the payoff. It also helps people get invested in, in, the, in their heroes more. Yeah. Like I've already seen like how, how invested and how dedicated people are to heroes with like yeah. fairly like admittedly like still good but fairly surface level yeah. stories compared to that of like chain and prism and yeah. bolton where they're they're these really fleshed out characters and we understand their purpose yeah. in the area like yeah. dorinthia is like oh dorinthia came from some some iron smiths but she turned out to be an awesome ways master right. and that's yeah. about it but we have like Prism, yeah. this library learning about like the, all the magic about Solana and all these heralds and all the gates and how everything ties in. There's like yeah, a yeah. way more fleshed out. Exactly, because like, and um, and I, it's important to have these represented on the cards, right? Because that's people's primary method of interacting with yeah. the game is uh, and through the to the world. The law is the card art. Yeah. So we need to be able to see these stories play out, right? And I think they do such a good job with the heroes. Like, an amazing job with the heroes, you know, with the specializations, with the yeah. young heroes, how we see how they, like, mature into old. And it really, really sells a story of them, like, growing up and, and moving into a role. Yeah. But now I need to see more regional storytelling. I want those to be fleshed out. Yeah. Um, while continuing to do the really cool stuff with the heroes. Like, I think a great example of, like, the car, actually, I just thought of is, like, you compare Lord of Wind and, and Soul Reaping, like the two yeah. big specialization. Katsu is like, it tell, okay. It tells you all about him, right? So Katsu is like, okay, so he's like this guy and he, he, he can control the wind, right? Yeah. There's him unleashing. But you, you, you kind of don't really know why. And then you see Soul Reaping chain and you see Ursa, the steam, and then he's made a pact with. And he's 
paid back so much debt that he's able yeah. to like almost he's able to command yeah the steam the Ch- in the background chain and levia mechanics interacting with story is yeah. genius yeah like the way that you make a dark pact for power and then that can quite literally kill you is genius you know that's it, it sells the story of what they are so yeah. well and even and even the light heroes even though it's like it's less kind of i guess tangible and obvious like building yeah. up the soul as well like they're almost making pledges or allegiances they have to be like almost holy right mm. like you look at bolton with no cars and soul he's doing absolutely nothing yeah, to you he's, but, he's nothing without his spiritual but power, bolton right? loads up his his soul and you see like a lunar ascension and he's powering up in the lunar ascension yeah. card art and his, he goes start, su- he yeah. goes he quite literally goes super he goes saying, super right? saying you start like banishing all of these cards from his soul it's like energy exploding everywhere yeah and it's like you know he like charges all up and, yeah and then it, and then it comes roaring out and i think it, they do such a good job with this type of storytelling yeah um yeah i definitely want to see them continue to do that going back to like lord of wind like another card game would just show you the lord of wind card and it's like yeah it's a really cool piece of artwork you know i saw it and i was like that character is super cool yeah but with katsu we don't just see the lord of wind you know we see the open to the combo we saw him draw we see him draw his sword on mugenshi release and then we see the combo and i think that's what makes it so special because you go through the motions of doing this move every time instead of just playing one card, you know? You, when you play Katsu, you don't just attack once. Yeah. You do this full combo, um, you know, and like a fighting game. Yeah. You know, you learn to do the different parts and you, you play like Katsu. Um, yeah, and... And even in Chain, just, right? To, like, to, get, to get Eclipse off, to get Ursa, your ally... You're you're, you're paying this debt, right? You're leaving all your refines, all your seeds, and your banished zone for yeah. a turn, right? You're taking yeah. six damage, so next turn you yeah. can unleash it all. Yeah, and it's like you're summoning all these different chains, you're making yeah. all these different deals with the devil, and then you're using them to gain power, yeah. right? And then once you've done this enough, once you've used enough dark magic, you can open the portal to let Ursa, to, to let Ursa or Blasphemy yeah. fit through, right? And... You know, I want to see them do this. I've said this a couple of times now. I want them to do this with the regions. Yeah. You know, um, and I think they've done a good job with the talents for the ones we have, but I want to see that continue. Yeah, um, for sure. So that's my main... Bring this back because we ramble quite yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to see this as the main focus for Aria is re- storytelling on a regional basis that, in, that influences some other nation or has some larger implication and also phenomenal storytelling through gameplay. Yeah. And um, they've done a great job of this so far, but I think they have so much potential to do more. Yeah, so for sure. that's 100% what I want to say. Yeah, I would be for sure. so excited if they pulled it off, you know? Um, yeah, Just, I mean, now that we're on law, I guess this will be the law podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, like, what kind of other nations would you, would you like to see? I really want to see... Volcor, I think. I yeah. want to see more stuff to do with Volcor because it hasn't been. Mm. It's almost so hidden away, right? You got, you got yeah. Kano. He's this great yeah. wizard, this prodigy yeah. almost, and like all this lava. You got the card, card command and conquer. So it's yeah. like this super militaristic nation. You got Kasai, and she's like you've got spoils of war spoils and stuff, right? Right. These all these Roman roaming bandits, 
and mm. stuff like that. Um, but it just as soon as it feels like a bomb waiting yeah, to explode. And, yeah, yeah. It doesn't like to, to for me because they're like right in the middle and they're all other. They're like yeah. the boiling heart of wrath, you know. And to me, they feel weirdly absent. Like they're there, but why aren't they doing anything? Yeah, you know. For like what we've seen on the card and stuff like that, this it seems like the potential for everyone to be so terrified of this of this nation almost yeah. seems so high. Like yeah. you look at the command and conquer, it's yeah. this massive yeah. command, and you look at the armies and they look tiny, and it's just droves and droves and droves of soldiers. Yeah, I mean, command and conquer does such an excellent job of selling that idea, right? Yeah, where you have one guy with a scroll, you know, with a battle plan on it, yeah. overlooking a legion, right? It's like, well, where is that legion going? Yeah. You know? Uh, Volcor is a, a lava and ashy place, right? How are they going to feed all these soldiers? Yeah. You know? Surely they've got to invade somewhere, you know? Um, so I'd like to see them tackle that, you know? I think it would be cool. What I would love to see is what was teased at the end of the first law book is the Arcane Rising law book. Oh. Where's it at the end? It's got like, I don't know if it's a teaser for the law book or just Arcane <coughs> Rising, but yeah. I'd love more expansion on the talents and stuff yeah. from there. Yeah. I feel like the, the way they set up the game was very like meticulous. Like yeah. you, re- you reveal Wraith. So Wraith had Solana, Savage Lands, Aria, and Mysteria um, in it, right? So that yeah. was like, and these places have a lot to do with like the physical. Um, the physical world, right? Yeah, like Solana um, is like the center, it's like the heart, right? And yes, yeah. yeah. Solana, in this set, like, they didn't really go into, like, faith and stuff, yeah. but they showed, like, the warrior, yeah. right? And then you have the brute, which is, like, the primordial, yeah. um, like, nature side. And, like, um, Arya was kind of, like, a flip side to that, yeah. you know, whether Arya was... Arya is, like, kind of, like, a tamed wilderness, yeah. whether, like, the Savage Lands is untamed yeah um and then mysteria as well is also kind of like a counterpoint to aria I yeah think. and then arcane rising is all about the magical you know the magical inventions of of um the metric of metrics and you know the wizards of volcor yeah the demon astry yeah rune blades um and then and like I think and like the side effects ra- of range is a little strange doesn't quite fit yeah the pits but i guess you can see, view the pictures like the the kind of say like the cost of all of this yeah i, I guess it's part of metrics yeah. right yeah. so it makes sense to have a pits here but when monarch got revealed i i kind of had this theory that wraith is the physical arcane was the magical and that monarch would be the spiritual aspect yeah. and i think i was quite right yeah, yeah. um but um, it's going to be interesting to see how Tales of Aria comes because we've had like a three act setup now. Yeah. What? Where's the payoff? Especially, I think there's like a lot of opportunity and like not even the core sets, but like the supplementary ones, like Crucible of War. It's like yeah. everyone's gearing up for war. Yeah, yeah. Every, there's that like was the whole one of the things. The like whole set, like this, the selling point of the set is like everyone is gearing up and getting ready. Yeah. For like this massive war. Yeah, but I, I still haven't like, seen like the war yet, right? Yeah, I feel like Crucible of War was, is the weakest set, law wise, because it's not very focused. Yeah. Um, so it's just like everyone going up for war. We saw see all these vocal soldiers, but where are they going? We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, some of the cards make more sense for Solana and um, and the Demon Astry now because yeah. we have the payoff in Monarch, right? 
um, with the two fighting and summoning dark yeah. gods and teasing Yarathul as well. And you had um, cards like Unified Decree, unfortunately not very playable, but mm. where it showed like all of the, the warriors, all the, I think there were the, temp- the Templars like standing around like almost what looked like a battle map. Yeah. Yeah, like oh, Unified yeah. Decree yeah. as well. You know, um, yeah. So, hmm. Like, I guess um, one of the things, like, with it is that they... I've just completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> Crucible of War or just in yeah, general? Yeah, In Crucible of War, you have all these characters gearing up for battle. Yeah. But we've only really seen two sides. We've seen Demonastry and, and Solana. What are the other characters gearing up for? We yeah. need, to, need to see that story. I feel like the the ninja cards specifically actually were less so gearing up for war, what was kind of teased. A lot of like the crane dance, like the Heron's Flight line and the, the Rushing River line were kind of like actually tied into the other. So in the law book, they got disciplines in Mysteria. So there's like yeah. these oh. core disciplines and the extra yeah. ones. Actually, do those cards even show... From memory, those cards don't have any enemies in them. No, they don't. They're just like a display, almost. So, like the the Soul Bead Strike line, I can't I can't remember the art, but it's it's almost like a direct uh, reference to a, a specific mm-hmm. art or fighting art that was mentioned in the law book. Of like, yeah. it's sort of evasive and it's yeah using like counterbalancing against mm-hmm. the enemy, which makes sense because they're more defensive cards, right? They've got yeah. block three conditional go again. They're not all out aggressive. But they, yeah, there weren't any enemies. They're, they're, they're like taking an advantage yeah. of an opponent's, um, you know, misplay. Yeah, momentum. Right? Yeah. Or uh, an opponent's like inability to to see what's coming yeah. next. Um, I mean, they definitely weren't gearing up for war. He got fine center. Yeah. And a monk's just chilling. Yeah. And you know how the you time see, of his like, life. martial artist practice, yeah. and they're like punching the ear or something. That's kind of what these cards look like to me. Yeah. Whether the 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 wraith ones they're very definitely killing people yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know blackout, blackout kick blackout <laughs> kick is not for practice yeah, yeah. that person is dead it's <laughs> not a training dummy there is blood coming out <laughs> from under there yeah god and, I love that art yeah card. and even Lord of Wind you got people flying everywhere surging strike mm-hmm. a wind blast has literally gone through a guy's stomach yeah he's like blasted through a person you know you know blackout kick um have you seen Kill Bill I have seen Kill Bill. There's there's the animated section, yeah, right where they're like the 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 girl I can't remember her name has a katana and she cuts down these mob bosses and just blood just goes, yeah, like to a ridiculous extent. Right? Yeah, uh, it just reminds me of that so much. I, I love it. Yeah, it's so <laughs> it's good. Super cool. Such a um, good card. Yeah, watch Kill oh, Bill. Yeah, yeah watch <laughs> if you're if you're if over you eighteen. Yeah, if you're over eighteen, <laughs> excellent movie. Um, but yeah, um. Yeah, I guess moving on from, from the law because we've yeah. rambled enough. Yeah. I think we've gotten our point across yeah. a couple of times. Um, we've been doing lots of testing for Constructed. Yes, we have been. Because Rotonet season is coming up, which yep. is really exciting. It is a great time. Um, so what have you been playing? So I've been currently testing, of course, Agro Katsu. Um, I've also got a, an, a list with a, side, with a more mid-range sideboard plan that I can side in. So is this Karen's list or something? A little so different? for the testing, I was actually testing with Karen's list a bit to try out mainly the um, the minimalism line for slower decks. And yeah. um, his list, unlike my initial one, uh, featured 
um, yellow surging strikes, and that's threat on hits more into chain because yep. the current game plan is like you're you're you've got to race against chain. Yeah, you've got consistent damage output throughout the game. You've got to put yep. them under a bunch of pressure. Yeah, um, which has been interesting. Um, I think chain is a is a very an in- a very interesting problem to try and solve. I think. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely seems to be the boogeyman. Yeah, of the for for sure. Because there's just the, the the sheer power level of him just seems really high. Yeah. So like, there's like the racing game plan, which is difficult. It's, right? it's difficult, right? Like it doesn't it doesn't feel the greatest to play because you're not really interacting, and sometimes it feels like a bit of a coin flip. Like yeah. it's like who who I, who draws their plunder like on first or the, stuff like that. The like ten or so armor that he has really puts it in his favor quite a lot of the time. Yeah. Because he just gets to ignore your best on hit. Yeah. Um, whatever card that is, whether it's um, Prism's card, um, Hero the, of Justice, he, Judgment, Hero of Judgment, that's Hero of Judgment yeah. or Command and Conquer, he just gets to nope it. Like or like a plunder on turn from yeah, like a card exactly to right. right. And I think, and then the other, like the other game plan in the chain, obviously, is that we've seen quite a lot is mm-hmm. with Guardian and trying to deck out the chain. But yeah. I think that's a really <clears throat> interesting matchup to yeah. try and solve because of the chain chain's ability to like round turn threes where they got to decide what their ability to yeah. flick a switch and go, okay, you're trying to yeah. deck me out. I'm going to set up like a 40 plus damage turn with like all my rift binds and yeah. seeds at the bottom of my deck that you yeah. won't be able to f- defend against. Yeah. Yeah, before before we get too far into like yeah. the specifics of what cards we're playing and yeah. and what we're testing with, I'm just gonna think it'd be cool to talk about how we test. Yeah, so for sure. If you guys have been watching the channel, you would have seen our Art of War Plus One series. Yeah, this is quite close to how my how we test. Yeah, but there are a few key differences. Um, so the main thing is like for the Art of War Plus One series is that we have a list, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we have eighty cards that we can upload and show you, so that you guys can try it. When we actually test, the lists aren't this concrete. No, they're um, very have, far from we, concrete. We very often have much more than 80 cards to pick and choose for each yeah. matchup, and we'll try and work out like the best sideboard cards. You know, we'll, we'll take this in, out of the deck, we'll take this out of the deck yeah. in different matchups. We'll run through stuff. We, uh, like a, a great way, actually, that we do in testing, that's also a great way to learn when you're first building a deck, is if you're not too sure about a card, put it in the deck exactly if you draw the card and multiple, multiple times you go this card is just really bad it's not doing anything yep. for me then you know to take it out yeah or or try different match yeah try different match up with it another thing we do um is we run decks through gauntlets yeah so we get a deck so um say we might just pick a deck for the day so this weekend it was brother yeah um we had a few decks that we were interested in so we play chain vs bravo prison vs bravo ninja vs bravo um, and we all just kind of like see where Bravo sits in the middle. Yeah. And so we see how these other decks interact with it. Yeah. Them. So we're either running a new deck that we put together with like slightly, di- maybe like a slightly different list against the top decks that we've seen. Mm-hmm. We want to run it through that gauntlet and see how they perform. Or we're running stuff, new stuff into yep. a top deck and we're trying to see mm-hmm. how it fares against yeah. our ch- changes. Yeah. And another, another thing that we do that's quite interesting is um, a lot of the time. Um, I think you guys might do this a little bit less than I, but I'll just build a deck with no defense reactions in it. I do this as well, yeah. So I play a deck with no defense reactions into it, and then I just run against a deck that I know usually needs a couple defense reactions, yeah. right? And we'll see how the deck does. You know, I'll probably lose. 
oh, I'll need a few more different interactions. Yeah. I'll put a couple in, not many, and then we'll play it again. And, oh, that was a bit better. I might need a few more. It's like um, adding spice to a yeah, meal. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. You, you don't want too many, so you need to get it to the right amount over time. Yeah. You know, and it's the same with sideboard cards. Just build a main 60-card deck and then run that into stuff. Yeah. And, you know, you'll lose. See what you need. But yeah. you'll, you'll work out what kind of spice you need to add yeah. right like i think my first the first bolton like raid and aggro deck yeah. that i put in zero defense reactions not no, no shunts no socials yeah nothing i'm like this is the plan for this deck is aggro i want to figure yeah. out what cards do that best for me yeah what matchups i definitely want went yeah. man i wish i had a social here and which cards aren't helping yeah, me that's, at all. that's the exact same um you know the bolton deck that i showed on plus one yeah had zero defense reactions in it because I wasn't worried about that. I wanted to see how the deck ran, how smoothly it ran on 60 cards. Um, and you can kind of see that. And, you know, um, I kind of find that the less defense reactions you can actually get away with running, the better. I think so. Because unless, defense reactions are a bit of a trap. Yeah, unless it's the core part of your game plan, obviously. But for mm. most decks... They're now, detractor, right? Most decks, like, now... now that's not really the case at least for many of the top decks mm. like it's not in chain's game plan currently yeah to exactly. be a control deck chain shouldn't be running any defense reactions yeah aside from maybe shadow realm shadow realm in some like in some match or something. yeah um but like defense reactions slow down what you want to do or exactly. they break hands yeah so you need them you want to play them only in matchups where you need them, and you want to be able to play that matchup without defense reactions. Yeah. So you play the game without defense reactions so that you can work out the hands where you need your defense reactions, and then to save those defense reactions for when you actually yeah. need them. I think instead of like using a crutch. Yeah, I think much like armor, if like the defense reactions is like if you're not a dedicated control deck and they're not part of your game plan and you need them, so I like yeah. to view defense reactions a lot like armor pieces where they're actually they're not they're just to they're not really there as like oh this blocks yeah. way efficiently this is like your pivot piece this is how you gain yeah. momentum back like like dorinthia has like this set up sets up this massive turn right and she's yeah. got her and then you just go yeah. boom unmovable i'm just yeah exactly yeah. i'm just gonna quickly um plug an art of war plus one that's coming out we played um dorinthia versus um katsu where a lot of these concepts are yeah. quite relevant so check that one out yeah um but yeah 100 agree like um, you know, everyone plays to win, yeah. but understanding how you win and how you play throughout the entire game to win is really important. You know, you don't want to use your armor reactively if you can help it. Yeah. You want your armor to help you with your game plan. Exactly. You know, I've set up my crippling cross turn. I'll use my armor now so that I can progress with my game plan. Yeah. I think know? another interesting thing that we, that we do, actually we do quite frequently in testing is, uh, we just we will just race and we won't block so yeah, we were yeah. testing an, an aggro prism into chain and like there are times turns where it's definitely like you should be blocking and we're just like no we will we're, just we're just gonna we're gonna block. race we're gonna not block and we're just gonna see which deck, our is, faster. Da uh, which deck is faster how much damage output we can do consistently yeah. hand to hand well yeah. trying to get stuff so, just, so this, this helps you work out um uh this is important because it enables you to play your four card hands yeah so you need it lets you work out which cards are useful in your hands and which cards are unnecessary or didn't add much yeah so you can see what cards you maybe should block with yeah you can see 
what turns did my opponent do that felt really powerful or put them in the race? Yeah. What, what are the turns I actually need to block? When did I not need to block? And you see this by ironically not blocking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, You're like, wow, these yeah. four ha- these four cards whenever I see these four cards in hand, like yeah. the amount of the amount of tempo and damage that I can deal, like it's almost, almost every situation that might be worth not blocking as yeah. well. You get to, um, it's like limit testing. You get to limit yeah. test exactly right. how much damage output you can do with each unique combination. Yeah, yeah. and um, another thing is it also clearly identifies the roles that each deck should play. Yeah, you know. Um, if one deck is winning the race consistently, then you can say that it is probably the more aggressive deck in the matchup. Yeah. If one deck is losing, then it's probably the control deck. And then you start to play them as the aggro deck and the control deck. You know, um, maybe we'll switch it up. Maybe maybe the Bravo plays aggressively and maybe the Ninja plays defensively. Yeah. You know, um, this is kind of a rough example because it's not how the matchup plays. Yeah. But you kind of get the idea whether you try and break the rules t- to see what the where the limits are yeah how far, what you're how actually much, meant to yeah, do you know how much you can break them and then like when you can identify when like what hands if you're just racing right yeah. and like this hand does nothing you're able to identify yeah. this is this on hands like these yeah. where i don't have a specific card set up an arsenal or whatever this is when i have to pivot to the more yeah. control style yeah. and on these types of hands i get to pivot back yeah and, it, and it's very important because um if you're newer to the game, you might say, well, why do I need to know if I'm the aggro or the control player? Yeah. And it's because if you play your hands hand by hand, then your opponent who is playing for the future will get an advantage on you. And it's all about working out where the future of your game plan is, yeah. you know? Um, and some decks are really fluid, you know? Um, so, like, Warrior is a really great example of where Warrior can be the aggro deck in a lot of matchups, but it can also be the control or the mid-range deck in a lot of matchups. Yeah. You know, um, Dorinthia's aggro against Bravo, but control against Ninja because it blocks a hell of a lot better than Ninja can, yeah. right? It gets to really control the tempo into Ninja. Exactly, right? And it can also set up turns that are very difficult for Ninja to yeah. block. Where the Ninja's like, well, I can't really block you, so I'm forced into this aggro position yeah. unless I play like crap ton of flick flex and stuff. Yeah. But by and large, this this is that's what's you, true. Yeah, you know? you're like forced to... Because like... You'll notice some matchups, especially like um, have there's certain dynamics where some heroes have more relevant on hits than other yeah. heroes. So like chain versus Katsu is like chain is just raw damage. Yeah. Chain has barely any relevant on he hits. It's like consuming volition and meeting great. Yeah. And his weapon. That's yeah. It. And consuming volition is like the only super super relevant one that isn't just more damage, yeah. right? Um. So Katsu is running strange strikes. He's got his Katsu trigger. He's got his Whelm and Gus well, Every single Katsu card has on hit, right? Exactly. Because of your hero ability, right? Yeah, so they're threatening on hit triggers. So you tend to be, be able to control the tempo at least somewhat to a degree. Yeah. It's not the best example, more so. Whereas your, your cards are more demanding of a yeah. block, right? Whereas ob- it's the opposite is true is for Dorinthia. You can't race, race a Dawnblade counter. No. Yeah. That, that, once that gets rolling, it becomes like a train. So yeah. now suddenly you're you're forced into this position where you have to be more aware. Yeah. So Dorinthia is interesting where um, you can't usually outrace a Dorinthia because of the boss one counter, right? Yeah. If they can give their Dawnblade go again, which they can the vast majority of the time, then you're not going to be able to race it. Yeah. But you can kind of race it when it's opportunistic for you to exactly. do so you can race it for two turns and then stop and then race it again yeah for two turns and then stop so 
like what this would look like was if you let Dawnblade get a counter and then just hit them so hard back to back that they can't capitalize on it they have to right? they, they're losing their hand you, they're losing their counter you, yeah exactly right yeah you let them get that plus one counter so you can enable your even bigger play right and then like let's say they don't block and they take all the damage and then yeah. they come back at you with a plus one right then you just full block it yeah you're like okay you can have the tempo now i'm way up on life on this trade yeah. because there's cuts you can do way more damage than dorinthia can yeah on a on a single turn um we'll just reset yeah and it's working out when you can do things like that that is what makes kind of separates play that knows a matchup and that doesn't right yeah is knowing when you can go when you have to stop and who you are at, yeah. in the matchup at any time and ironically the best way like we said before to figure that out is don't block yeah figure out what turns are your massive blowout turns yeah that let you change the temper yeah and and um identify some cards that you want to play in each game yeah so um no, and not just the obvious ones. Don't just go, I want to play Steelblade Supremacy, Dorm, um, uh, Warrior's Valor, and Determination together yeah. and just kill my opponent. This is probably not going to happen. Just try and work out some things that you can set up that are good enough. You know, I want to be able to Spinal Crush and then Crippling Rush yeah. on the next turn. Well, that's entirely doable. You just have to pitch the Spinal and then pitch the... The Blues and then the Crippling. Yeah. Or Arsenal one and then draw the other. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and then play them, right? And you do that by using your armor and, and blocking out so you have enough life to do that. Um, and that's where the testing comes in. You need to work out where you need to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, so more more onto the what we actually did, I guess. Yeah. Um, so we, we played... We ran... Your Katsu into Chain and Agro Prism. Yeah a few times so it was kind of interesting it was the the prism the prism matchup is is very interesting the prism matchup feels less interactive than chain than what was it first initially thought i guess because on paper just looking at prism's cards and katsu's cards it feels very prism favored it's like oh, yeah, well, you prism, don't have many six plus attacks. Right? I don't have many, if if any, amount, and right? they just what you think. Yeah, and then I went okay. I'm just gonna try and race the prism. I'm not gonna yeah. block anything, um, unless I, unless it's an erudition and I'm able to actually block the one relevant on hit. Um, mm -hmm. We'll just race it, and found it very very close. Yeah. Turns out seven like turns out twelve damage returns by prism with full card hands. Katsu can keep up with. Yeah. Um, Often, you know, the Prism can't afford. Prism doesn't have very good armor. Yeah. And she can't actually, she can't actually win the four card race very well because the cards you're on hits just put you over. Yeah. Right. And then another thing that was, this is like a Luminaris Prism with the base around the heralds. Another super interesting thing, I guess it's sort of a mind game, is that whether, play, whether it's the better on hit first or second. Yeah. So like a a, a play pattern that I, I guess initially you'll start to see and will probably change up um, is the less relevant on hit for Prism tends to come first. Yeah. So, so you, you might get hit with like a Dominate Herald. Yeah. And uh, then get followed up by Herald of Erudition. Erudition. really important on yeah. hit. So it's like baiting your block. Yeah. Right? And it's a lot of the time it's, it's, it is just that free damage. It's like the classic go wide Dorinthias who used to run Scars way back in the day. Like yeah. that Scar with the Dawn... If the Dorinthia plays a Scar and they've got a Dawnblade sitting there, it's full free damage. Yeah. Um, unless it's fully lethal. Um... And I found... Well, it's lethal anyway, because yeah, Tom Blade's coming. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, 
So like the main, the main one of the ones actually that was, that is surprise one of the most concerning that I guess kind of flew under some people's radars initially is, I believe it's Herald of Judgment, the one that doesn't let you play cards from Banished Zone. Yeah. Which seems like, oh, that's super gross and to change. It's actually super scary into Katsu as well because a lot of Katsu's pressure comes from your, com your Katsu Comes trigger. from searching up that combo piece yeah. and, and getting way more value. And of course, those cards don't go into your hand. They go no. into your Banished Zone and yep. then played from your Banished Zone. And it's actually the same for Steel Blades for, um, for Singing Steel Blade yep. and Warrior as well. So it turns that off as well. Yeah. So those are super scary. Um, Herald of Protection, although annoying, wasn't as bad as initially first thought because the Darch is like just like a little well, bit you're of just going to get rid of the token. Yeah, right? the, the token so disappears straight away. Um, Makes it harder to trigger your mask. But yeah. Whatever. Most of the time it's not. Depends if they're letting it go. If it goes off, they're letting it go yeah. off. And if you're, I mean, if you're taking the full hit from Herald of Protection, you probably got some good gas to come back with. Yeah, right? exactly. So that was that was a super interesting one. Um, chain is like the same chain yeah. feels like a little a little closer a little feels a little more so I, I'm not I'm not too sure how I where, where, where I'm at with that because I'm not I personally I don't like the idea of having my game plan into a deck be I'm going to race it like almost purely race it which is mm. how I've been playing the chain matchup so far is what I've seen the most as well because it feels like the it control. Feel like it a feels very like fair fight, it, it feels like all of the control. Like I've I've got no I've got no almost little to no agency. Yeah, it's I mean, based you on you draw the cards and play them, right? I'm drawing the cards. I'm playing them. I'm arsenaling like a, a piece or the hero there, but very few much feels like I drew my art of war before them, or I arsenaled my plunder on before they mm -hmm. could. Yeah. Um. So trying to find a um. I guess a strategy or a cyber plan that lets you yeah. pivot easily, more easily. Mm. I think chain is difficult because chain is the, the king of pivoting, right? Yeah. It's at once a very fast aggro deck and a very powerful setup deck because it can just switch yeah. and it also has very good armor. So it can play the control side of things until it's ready to go aggro. So it's all three of these decks combined. And it makes it very difficult to deal with in any single way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I th I think it's going to be a, a very interesting problem for for people to solve as a, as a chain matchup. Okay. Um, one interesting matchup that I played yeah. a wee bit was um, Agro Prism yeah. against Bravo. So yeah. I was on Bravo, and I found that you actually wanted to be quite aggressive because you could actually run out of threats by popping all their heroes. Yeah. Um, so. What I think the way you're meant to play the matchup is, is that you're meant to pop the Herald somewhat aggressively at the start and then be aggressive back yeah. to um, arsenal your cripplings and your spinals and, and hit sure. them really hard back. And you want to, to like try and punish them for playing library or basically deal as much damage so that when they get library, the game is harder for them. Because yeah. you have very few yellows in your deck, so you can't break it. Um, like Just realistically, yeah. you're not going to draw two yellows. Um, and, I think and the the matchup gets a lot harder when they can get five cards. Yeah, and I think it's like really an, important to uh to identify as well. Like that that pivot is that this Luminaris Agro Prism that we were testing. Like, it it function the, for every deck changes when they get library. Yeah, and then also like the the reason why it changes so much for library as well is like the way that the, the so the reason why Luminaris is so good is that they can threaten two attacks per turn. 
and the way that they're threatening and block to, this as well and the way that they're threatening to attacks return is with four card hands whether that be four cards and no arsenal or an arsenal mm-hmm. and three cards in hand and library lets them play that while blocking quite aggressively yep. they're able to mitigate a lot of damage yep. for these massive value turns yeah and yeah so that yeah. was an interesting one so the, the other couple of tricks that we found out is that if you if a prism has two cards in hand and they pitch one and attack um if they have three cards yeah so they pitch and attack and one card left um and say the card they pitch is into yellow you can actually just not break the attack um because if you just block it fully, say they have no cards in their soul, you just block it fully without breaking it, yeah. they can't use their boots to gain an action point, which um, that ability, you need to pitch one for. Yeah. So they pitch the yellow from their hand to, to, to trigger the library, right? Yeah. But if you just block it out, um, not say it doesn't have go again, yeah. and not breaking it for the boots, then they can't pitch that second card and they're yeah. forced to arsenal. They're not able to, and they're not able to turn on the library for that turn. Yeah. So I think that was, yeah, that was definitely a really... And it led to some really interesting line, potential yeah. lines of play of like, is there on hit, say, like a protection? It's like yeah. a common one that you see is like, is them getting the spectral shield on hit here? Am yeah. I able to take this? It yeah. does, how badly and does it, it affect me to stop to them from the out, library? Right? Yeah. How much is a potential fifth card in hand worth versus the other card they're going to arsenal? You know? And getting that, how much value does that spectral shield and damage difference yeah. give them in comparison? Yeah. So the matchup wasn't as cut and dry. I thought Bravo was going to stomp Prism because of the six pluses breaking their attacks. It's actually a, a bit more nuanced. I think if you play it, the more skilled player will win that matchup yeah. um, just by playing it slightly more correctly. I think I think Library definitely, when the Library came into play, it definitely changed. It just the, flipped it, right? It changed the dynamic. Because I was, I was pretty much crushing until, until the Library came out. Yeah. And then the game came a lot harder. And the way I won that game in the end was by decking my opponent, yeah. but it felt hard. Especially know? for a deck where, like, I think Aura Prism with Iris definitely does, probably does better into Bravo because... 100%. You, the Auras are the most difficult cards. Yeah, the Auras are the most difficult thing for the Bravo to play with, but just the fact that yeah. Library allowed mm-hmm. for even when that game plan went awry yeah. for Prism to stay in the game so long yeah. and so keep it so close was definitely... yeah. I think Quite the auras you actually, um, if you're on the prism side, you want to save the auras for the end game as your finisher. Yes, I, I think um, so. Well. Yeah. Because um, if you can go gen- like Genesis into um, on the end of their turn yeah. into drawing up into protecting it with the um, uh, Sentinel, the Arclight Sentinel yeah. into another Genesis into it like a a Mystic Retribution, the Bravo player because he's so limited in the amount of attacks he can do per turn, just one usually. Yeah has a really tough time dealing with auras after auras after auras. So I think you want to save that as a finisher. Yeah, and you're really trying to get with the auras, similar to like what Dash used to do into Bravo, is you're just pinging them super, super wide. Yeah, and they can't block that, right? Yeah. They're not going to use their cards to block one damage. Yeah. Um, and they'll just leak their life, you know? So, yeah, I think that's the way you want to play. It's a very interesting matchup. Yeah. Um, really weird play way to play Flesh and Blood in general. It really, yeah, it really was quite strange it feels really weird to just single block attacks <laughs> yeah as well and just, just have them pop have, have them not deal damage um so yeah it's very interesting and then we, uh, we played a, a little bit of bravo versus katsu yeah um and the way we play this matchup is the bravo player tries to play 
um, with the cards you play. Yeah. Um, and it's it's quite close. Yeah. Find. Um, I think it's slightly Bravo favored. I think it is Bravo favored. You. It's definitely you not have to play it right. Yeah. If you play it, uh, if you play it heavily defensively, and you're not attacking with your attack extra cards, if you're not prioritizing yeah. your spinal crushes and your crippling crushes and aggressively trying to play them, then it's heavily cards who favored. Yeah. If I, you, yeah. I, and that was also testing uh, belittle minimalism in the deck. Yeah. And seeing how, how, how it worked yeah. with my playstyle and how I how much I like the cards yeah. and their ability to yeah. fix hands. I'm still not need to do more testing. I'm not completely sold on them. Yeah. At least in the in the list that I had it in. Yeah. Um, I think there can be some tuning to make them work better, or there's just better sideboard cards. I just yeah. felt like. Yeah, and that 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 Katsu Bravo, gameplay method. Yeah. Is like, we kind of discovered that because of the way we test, right? Yeah. Where. And I start just playing games, and I was trying to be defensive because that's what Bravo does, be defensive. Yeah. And I was losing game after game after game. And I was like, hey, if you give me the 20 life, which you'll do, yeah. and then you Arsenal, plan to run, and set up an Art of War, I'll lose every time. Yeah. How do I, how do I beat this? And we decided, hey, let's just let's just race. Um, and, uh, you know, you work out which have the important cards to block, but you still play aggressively. Yeah. Then the game becomes a lot closer. And, you know, with little refinement, you, it's actually in your favor. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, it's important to play the game in different ways to work out what your hero's strengths in each matchups really Yeah, are. for sure. And I think if there's something that you take away from this episode, that that should really be it. Like, there's not so one, important. Your hero, no matter the list, can't always play in one way. Yeah, exactly. You have, you have to adapt to what your opponent's game plan is. Yeah. You know, you can play your game plan as much as you like, but there has to be some give and take. Yeah. And what else? I think we'll be. I'll. I'll, I'll be interested to test some Livia. I know that you definitely won't be okay, testing so Livia that much. But I think there's there's definitely some potential there. But for me, I played Livia in the in the plus one. Yeah. And I actually think my list is pretty decent. It is. I think it is. But man, the deck is hard to play. Like yeah. not difficult. Like mechanically difficult yeah it's mentally difficult it to is. play because you can just lose no fault of your own your dick just goes eh, i don't feel like it today yeah and just you know just throws you so it's not one for me to play because i can't play that way yeah but i think if you are willing to put up with the pitfalls and tune it even more i think it can be a really powerful i think deck. so i think there is quite a bit of uh, potential there i think it's also you get to and constructed a lot of a lot of people who have played with Livia have either played her in Blitz or probably most commonly sealed or draft with yep. Lin come out and that's a lot harder to manage the graveyard in that because yeah. you don't get to pick all your six powers and constructed you have you, you get play you right? get to play Crapton six powers and graveyard management becomes less of a worry. The issue is that monotech so, actions are just so good. Uh, yeah. It's so tempting. It's trying to get that, trying to get that ratio yeah, right. I'll just stick some shadow puppetries, some blood rush bellows, some art of wars, and then before yeah. you know it, you're missing. <laughs> and you want, and you want those hell from beyonds in there. So yeah. I mean, like if I could, yeah. I'd run and then you, nine and then you go even a little yeah. bit more extreme, and you go, hmm, maybe ghostly visit would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and then you, you know these cards that you can cycle more more deleted. So I think when you're building Livia, you want to. You want to try and stick to the three tenants as much as you can, which is guaranteed banishes cards. Yep. Is a six plus power attack. Yep. And 
can be played from banner zone. Yeah. You want your th- cards to do one or preferably two of those three yeah. things. Um, so, yeah. That's... Um, if a card doesn't do any of those things, like Shadow Puppetry, yeah. Shadow Puppetry does banish a card, but it's conditional, Yeah. Um, then, you know, it should really be, although it's a very powerful card, yeah. it needs to be looked at with a lot of scrutiny, yeah, whether it sure. fits in the place of your deck, because as good as the card is, if you draw a couple of those kind of cards and then take 10 damage, that card does not good there, yeah. and it's going to ruin your game. Like the the risk reward is exactly quite right. out of balance, and then I think that's what we mainly tested recently was those. Yeah. Um, what else are we interested in testing? Like, um, I feel like I'm I'm ever hopeful that Liam will test Wizard and Constructed at least a little bit. Yeah, we, we're gonna get him on Wizard um, just to see if there is prob- prob- potentially prob- something there. Probably won't be something there, um, but there but might be. There's so always there's always trying. good to look. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, there's whisperings in the distance of a ranger build, the the chain silver bullet. Yeah, I mean, I think that I mean, I think it's, I mean, I feel like it's the ranger build. There's definitely a ranger build that's like a chain and maybe a silver bullet, like sleep darts, nuts with yep. pumps into there. However, you can't have a deck be a silver bullet against one deck, and then and then pank you lose to and lose to everything else. That, right? That's the share, right? Is that ranger somehow needs to become a good deck? Not just a good deck against two decks, but a good deck against a lot of decks. You can build, you can build Rangers to be a good deck against one deck, yeah, very very well. But everything else, is yeah. Just bad. So is, that, that needs to be fixed. I, yeah. I hope Tales of Ira does have a Ranger on it, because you know the Ranger players have been hard done by. Yeah, like to be honest, they've had I a know, rough time. honestly, it'd be quite funny have it on the on the on the um. Your time the is cover, <laughs> the cover. They got this ranger on the cover of the Tales of Aria, and they just don't have a ranger on the set. <laughs> just Could you imagine if they released Tales of Aria, like the promotional image, yeah. and it was just um, a guardian standing on top of a dead ranger? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, it was just boy. like oh, man. More pain. We usually almost see them doing that, but, but yeah, that would be so cruel. <laughs> that would be. On the testing, do you want to? I feel like it's a good transition to our card of the week. Which yeah, was definitely so, a focus of our testing as well. So this is a card of the week. This week is a very interesting card. Um, and the idea, talking about silver bullets, is that this is the card to kill chain. So there's yep. been a bit, few rumblings about this card. Um, and the card is Snag. So Snag reads, um, it's a zero blue cost instant that reads, Attack action cards cannot gain power from attack actions or attack reactions this turn. Yeah, their own effects. Yeah. Which is so they still gain power from stuff like um, non-attack actions and other instants, yeah. but not their own effects. So um, a combo card triggering its ability off another card. Being played. Yeah, like leg tap into rising knee is usually four than five. It's However, it would be snag. four than three. Yeah, with, with like, snag active, with snag, right? Yeah. But Art of War... Um, Art of War... Um, leg tap, rising knee would the rising knee would be for four. Yeah, exactly. That's how it works, right? So the idea behind this card is to counter a very specific combo that chain players can do, and that's with the rift bind. Yeah. So what we found, um, and you would have seen this in our plus one video with Bravo and Chain, is that the Bravo player can try and deck the chain player, yep. but the chain player can win this matchup if they set up rift bind 
with a bunch of seeds. Yeah. So you stack like so Riftbind basically gets plus X attack for each non-attack um, action. Non-attack action you play. Yeah. So you have like four seeds here. And you maybe you have a plunder run or out of war or something else, and then you have two or three Riftbinds there. Yeah, and you, you have got like clips as well to finish exactly, off if right? you want. So you just play them, and then you're you're giving these um and you how from beyond yep. one as well. So you're giving these um, these rift binds can go up to like 12, 15. If you play multiple of them, it's a lot of damage. Yeah. So um, the snag stops the rift bind getting the the plus X from the non attack actions being played. Yeah. Still gets the attack directly from attack actions. So like, like still the howl effect would still, still get the howl buff, but it doesn't get the extra plus one. Yeah. So on this turn, snag can block. 10 damage by itself and quite easily depending on how big they even upwards of like 20 damage depending on how many seeds and stuff they're yeah. playing that'd be a bit of a stretch i think it'd be a very big turn but i mean across multiple across multiple rift binds yeah yeah exactly right so um because each one of them each one of them checks for the yep. previous attack actions See, the yep. idea is to play this in a deck that wants to play defensively against against chain yeah so when Bravo, you still have blockout strategy, but you're looking to Arsenal a snake at some point to prepare yep. for that turn. And because if the chain player doesn't get this big turn off, they need to have a very, they need to just have very good turns over the course of the game to win, yeah. which is down more to luck than anything exactly, else. Exactly, right? yeah. So this is just to put the chain matchup more in a decking deck's favor. And um, yeah, so I think this card is a um, quite a lot of potential, a lot of kind of silver bullet strategies yeah so i think another one could be like a control katsu deck yeah uh, we haven't tried this yet but it's just something i thought of as i fell asleep one night yeah um where you play three snag you play nine flick flags um three sinks three fates and a bunch of combo cards alongside the snag yeah you have um you have musk of momentum um not rune whatever yeah and two iron hide boots so you can block arcane and block with your equipment so that you actually have a decent amount of armor yeah and then you play nine um crane dance, oh, crane dance. yeah nine crane dance and three um fine, center. fine centers so that you can basically stack fine centers yeah. on top of each other and then also have snag and then also just have the ridiculousness that is um for clack with combo cards so, yeah and this card i think this deck will probably be chain pretty consistently and probably be a better deck against other decks than ranger ranger but still might have some some issues yeah, yeah. it'll probably suck into bravo yeah um so i kind of do a similar thing but just a bit better against other decks yeah but yeah. i think it should still be warrior just yeah. because control control ninjas typically get into warrior yeah and it can beat some of the other aggro decks in the format as well could probably have a decent matchup against katsu if if tuned to right yeah so i think that deck has a lot of potential so we'll we'll build it eventually and test yeah. it. But yeah. But yeah, I think Snag is definitely a very interesting card. It is a very almost one di- one dimensional card. It's yeah. it's doing one thing. It's counting one specific uh, strategy. Um, it's so it's important as well. Like this card is nuts into the setup rift bind. The card if if there are, haven't been four non attack actions played before the yep. rift bind is strictly worse than a blue block three. Yeah. Exactly. So the card is better as past that threshold. So you've got to think about if you're thinking of siding in snag into one of your decks or building around yeah. it. Is are they going to actually try this? Yeah, 
As, they're not, then the snag is not worth it. Yeah, if the setup is how they are trying to beat you, snag is 100% worth it. Yeah. How so, yeah. Talking of them a little bit outside of its applications with yep. Chain, uh, this card was a bit of a pet card for me. It was. So, so pet card Crucible, and a spec card. Yeah. Back when Crucible <laughs> came out, um, snag was like 20 bucks, and I was like, oh, I mean, this card's kind of bad right now, so people are probably undervaluing it. I think the card has a lot of potential to be yeah. a silver bullet yeah. against some strategies in the future. And, you know, I pat myself on the back. Yeah, a bit of a um, genius. A bit, bit of a genius. Anyway, I traded quite aggressively for a bunch of snags, so I have like nine of them and a couple of foils as well. <laughs> and, you know, even past yeah. the crucible going up, they only went to like 30 bucks and the foil to like 80. So I, they weren't really worth that much anyway. That's so I fine. felt a bit like, ah, oh, man. If only I bought like cold foils. Yeah. <laughs> you had the op- also like twenty bucks. You had the opportunity to speak into cold foils and snags, and you took the man's choice. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, maybe maybe snag will go up in price. Maybe I'll finally be rewarded for my dedication. Yeah. So you um, heard it for here first, guys. Yeah, you Please hike first, the sorry. price for snag. Sorry, sorry. Wait. What we were saying about it not being wait. That's, oh, yeah, that's right. Snag is great against every single deck. Yep, it's na- it beats everything, actually. Underrated card. You should Buy actually break the rules and play six of them. Yep. You know, your TO won't notice. And then if you are looking for snags, there's only one vendor, uh, Daniel Real. Yeah, and when, yeah. It, when it gets to 60 bucks, just be in me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll have some for you. I'm going to make this pick. I think there was also another person. I, I believe, I might be wrong. I, I, I'll feel, I, hopefully, There's I'm not wrong. There's an American guy that Matt G. have a percentage of the world snags. I believe, I believe it's Matt G in the fab discord if i remember correctly who had who also yeah. happened to spec into snags and he has he, a bunch of went, foil snags as well he went a lot he went a lot he went a lot harder than you but i respect you both for it it's fine <laughs> <laughs> look we believed in a shared vision yeah <laughs> and look at that we you found it right, it's cool to see a card actually seeing some use because it, it's been a dead card and i think it has some amazing artwork yeah and um you're pretty gruesome eye-catching yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could say that yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah so that's our card for the week um hopefully yeah try it out against chain see if you like it or not yeah uh doesn't fit everywhere but it's a it's a card that's gained a lot of relevance from the new set so for we thought sure. we'd talk about it today yeah and it's been a pretty integral part of our testing last couple of days yeah which for is sure. also one of the other things also 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 yeah since we were talking about lore who do you think Butcher Jack is? Where do you think he's from? Because I have no idea. I'm probably based on like base. I'm gonna have to like say a dungeon cell, right? It's, I got, it's got to be the pits, right? I feel like that's the most that's likely. Probably a good one, right? The most likely place for it to be. Yeah. Maybe Unless like works for a gang. Yeah. And like he's like the cleanup crew. Yeah. <laughs> Someone hasn't paid their debt. Yeah. Yeah. Chain didn't play, pay his blood debt. Oi, mate, you've yeah. been playing too many non-attack actions. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to pull you up with that you. one, boss. <laughs> Call over Butcher Jack. Um, yeah. If you're wondering who yeah. Butcher Jack is, on the foil version of the card, there is a separate um, flavor text yeah. that isn't on the regular version, yeah. and it references Butcher Jack, who presumably is the yeah. the, the, um, the torturer. Yeah, and so, I think an, yeah. another thing that we need with Snag is a, a Snag <laughs> alt art. Of a bunning snag on it. <laughs> Just a bunning snag <laughs> on it. <laughs> with with the onions. I don't know if you knew about this, but a while ago, I can't remember. It was, it was either in New Zealand or Australia. There was a, a thing about the onions having to be put underneath 
the snag on the white bread because someone had slipped on some onions that had fallen off. <laughs> so we need to have... So that's what the onions are. The, the onions essentially act as the anti-attack actions. <laughs> Listen, if anyone's out there with some Photoshop talent, please, please, please make this card. I'm not even sure what you're on about. <laughs> All right, guys. I think yeah. um, that's it for our podcast yeah. today. Um, thank you for watching. It's yeah. um, a bit rambly today. Next time we should have Nick back. Yeah. So um, thank you for watching. Make sure to like and subscribe. It'll make Greg happy. Yep. And we'll see you next time. All the best. See you guys. Bye-bye.